The Evolve Network is now live at evolvenetwork.tv. Subscribe for meal plans, recipes, cooking shows, and our very own The Magic Pill and The Magic Plant, as well as access to my favorite documentaries. The Evolve Network is also home to our full library of podcasts, with new release podcasts airing first and in full on the channel. You can also watch selected vodcasts in a video format. Meanwhile, enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to evolvenetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co., established 1977, have personal and domestic water filters, which turns your ordinary tap water into great-tasting, alkaline, ionized mineral water, which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals, and bacteria, so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984, and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. Sol, thank you so much for joining us. How are you, brother? I'm great. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. And we should just um, make it known to the listeners, or I should say to the viewers, if you're watching this as a podcast, that uh, you're going undercover, so to speak, or anonymously. Well, well, J.D. Salinger, that's how I like to say it. <laughs> Tell me about that. D- give us a little bit of a, a, an idea or the story behind this, why, um, why you are um, deciding and choosing not to show your face. Well, it's really funny. I was on Matt Belair's podcast maybe a week or 10 days ago, and he asked me that question before we actually started filming. And, and he said, you know, I wish I had done that now with all of the, uh, all of the privacy concerns and everything online. Uh, for me, it had to do with early on, uh, I was doing this healing work that people were sort of turning me into a guru. And I didn't like that feeling at all. I, di- I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted it to be about the work. And then I really wanted my writing to be about my writing. And so I decided to simply not make it about me. And the easiest way to do that in this narcissistic culture was to not put my face out there. So I haven't done that in going on 20 years of being a semi-public, semi-famous figure in certain circles. And it's uh, I'm really glad I did. Uh, uh, that I pursued that that path. The, the reason I said J.D. Salinger, he's an example of a famous author. He wrote Catcher in the Rye, and he he was anonymous for his entire career. I quite like that because um, 
my wife and I have just started doing wellness retreats and cooking retreats on our property and, and a lot of people, well, let me rephrase that. Uh, one thing I'm very cautious and, and aware of and conscious of is to not make it about the celebrity chef, Pete Evans. So I nearly distance, I don't want to use the wrong words here because it's not the right terminology to distance, but I, I allow enough space for the guests that are coming to not think that they're coming or they're going to get a 100% Pete Evans <laughs> Pete Evans weekend. Right. Because I've noticed over the years of being in the celebrity world or being famous through the mechanisms that have led me to become a high-profile figure is certain people have a preconception of who you are and it's nearly it, – sometimes it's felt like ownership of – my identity from other people and they expect me to behave a certain way or do a certain thing. So when we created the retreat, we've called it the Evolve Sanctuary. And my, I, part of what we've created, especially for my, my interaction with people, is nearly to take a step back and just observe and hold space and bring in different therapists and, and people to weave their magic and I sort of just float in and out and do the thing that I love to do, which is to cook for people and nourish them in that right, way. So, right. so it, it's nearly going back to where I started as a chef behind the scenes, just cooking and dead presenting. Oh, food. that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I have it, some pretty well-known friends and they, they talked about the same phenomenon you just mentioned. They, uh, one of them referred to it as, as the outsourcing of their personality or their persona. They felt like they were, you know, they were suddenly connected to all of these other subsidiaries of themselves and that they were answerable to in some way. And I, and I thought, you know, I'm really glad that is not the case with me. Yeah. And maybe I should have done what you did, but I, I guess my, my soul journey has to be to experience this. And even recently I've been under what some people would call an attack or let's just say, uh, heightened awareness from pharmaceuticals or the, the system. And I know you damn conspiracy theorist. Yeah. And I, and I've, I've spoken to many people in the legal system and that live in that system. And I said, why, why do I seem to be a target? And they said, because you have a high profile. Normally they wouldn't go after anybody for what you're doing, but because you have such a high profile, you become a target. And, and the, the bad comes with the good or the good comes with the bad if you even if you want to view it that way right, so right over the years i've become uh, again a little bit more detached from that whole thing going okay well it's just an outward representation of what people believe i am for them <laughs> you know, so right right uh, yeah, you know and in your case i, I can imagine that would be i don't know you know you were doing this this cooking thing and then you were being honest about your beliefs and observations and the research that you had done. And then suddenly you're this huge target. I imagine that would have been very, very uh, disconcerting uh, to say the least. I'm glad you've handled, your, handled yourself the way you have, because it's been, it's been inspirational to see you keep going and evolving and changing what you're doing, you know, as the, as the, um, as this has happened. I, I saw an interview with you, uh, Oh gosh! Within the last year, I think it was with Charlie Ward, perhaps, mm -hmm. and and you were just really talking very authentically about you know what that had been like uh, 
to experience that those kinds of attacks. And, and I thought, here's somebody who really it has a lot of integrity and that I would love to meet. And now here we are. Yeah, well, let's get stuck into this. And um, because you reached out to me a little less than 48 hours ago and and through a uh, through a previous guest or guests that have been on the podcast, uh, Dr. Bear Lando and also Matt Belair. And I actually, my wife and I just went to yoga and we were driving back and she said, who are you interviewing today? I said, Sol Luckman. <laughs> she laughed. She goes, because we watch uh, Sol Goodman <laughs> from Better, oh, right, right. From, from Better Call Sol. From Better Call Sol. And she goes, <laughs> you're, you're shitting me. And um, I said, no. And I, and I read out what we're about to talk about today. And she goes, oh, she goes, I want to read that book. I need to read that book. This sounds like the type of conversation that I would really like to bear witness to. So, uh, so you have a fan with um, what you sent me in my wife and oh, also myself. That's sweet. And I, I, I know we're going to talk about Gnosticism or, or Gnostic world or philosophy. And it's interesting because it's been creeping and itself into my awareness over the last 12 months, especially since this, um, the world has transformed itself over the last 12 months to, to nearly be splitting in two, so to speak. And, mm. um, and the word Gnostic and Gnosis keeps appearing. And uh, I think it's divine timing that you reached out. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Sol, to take us through the journey of, of your interpretation of what is happening and what has been happening for a long period of time. And I don't want to give anything away, but uh, take over, my friend. Well, maybe I should tell listeners or uh, viewers what it was like to to have this novel handed off to me. It was a very odd experience. Um, and you're still there, right, Pete? I am still here. I've just turned off my video. Okay, great. So I, I've had this experience once before. The last novel I wrote was called Snooze, A Story of Awakening. It's about a, a young boy named Max, who learns to harness the power of his dreams. And he travels into the dream world in search of his father, who has gone missing, who has gone looking for his mother, who died in childbirth. It's very kind of convoluted. But I woke up one day, and I think this was in 2013, uh, one morning, and the whole plot was just in my mind. I didn't, I didn't think about it. I didn't, I didn't reason it out, nothing. It was just there in this kind of a very clean, laid out format for me. And I just began writing it. And it was a, a relatively easy experience. It took me about a year and I, I, I self-published it and it won a few awards and it's gotten a bunch of reviews and, and that kind of thing. So I thought, well, that's a one-off. That's never going to happen again. In late 2019, I went to bed one evening and was expecting to, I was actually very tired, I remember, and I, I was hoping to get a good night's sleep. And instead, I was up all night long as if I were being mildly electrocuted. And what the experience was, it was, it was like I was downloading this whole plot of another story, another novel that was being handed off to me. And I didn't sleep at all. I got this entire plot for this novel that became Callie the Destroyer. I remember the next day going bike riding with my partner, Lee, and telling her the whole plot. 
And it was very involved and we took a very long ride and I, and I shared this with her and she was just like, you got all of this last night. This is incredible. I, I don't understand. This is just amazing. And I said, I know it's amazing. I, I, I think I'm going to start writing it. And I did. And this writing process was even more effortless than, than it, what I experienced with snooze. Some people, I, I was talking with a, a military veteran recently talking about being in the trenches. And I said, yeah, I've been in the trenches too. I just wrote a novel in the trenches. And what I was referring to was the way I wrote Cali. And this was just tongue in cheek. <laughs> the way I wrote it was I, I didn't lock myself in my study. I didn't, I didn't have to have lots of focus, me time to do this. I did it wherever, whenever, mostly sitting at the kitchen table in the middle of homeschooling with my son and business going on and everything in the world, answering questions, washing a dish, washing dishes here and there. And it just came out just in this flood. And, and I would write, it would take me about an hour to an hour and a half to write a chapter. And it just was, it was so fast. It was amazing. It was like, it was all being just uh, recited to me. The other really, really strange thing about this download that happened at the end of 2019 was this was before the COVID stuff hit over here in the United States and before it was really in the press. The strange thing about that is that the novel is it's a, it's a futuristic dystopian novel, fortunately with a happy ending, that starts in our present with a pandemic. Hmm. followed by a mass hmm. vaccination program that I call Jackson Nations for censorship purposes. So I actually spell it J-A-X-X, Jackson Nations, throughout the entire book hmm. so that it you know, hopefully won't be censored on places like Amazon and that kind of thing. So I was being given this entire plot of what was about to happen. I was writing about it, and it started happening as I was writing the story. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to talk to you about that a little later. And, and I have, and I have a witness. I mean, Lee will tell anybody this is what happened. It was just the most bizarre thing. And over and over again, she said she would say things like, "You just wrote about that. And now it's in the news. It's happening. They're doing this. They're pushing that. This is weird." I said, "I know it's weird. It's really, really weird." So I was going to pause and see if you have any questions because that's such a strange phenomenon. I wanted to start there so that people realize that I too find this very odd. If you're finding it odd, you're not the only one. Yeah. What I, what I find, uh, maybe not odd, but curious. And I'm very curious about how we can co-manifest or manifest this reality. And when I, I was reading what you sent me, uh, you have talked about being a psychonaut and uh, you might want to explain what being a psychonaut is to our listeners and viewers if this is the first time that they've joined us for a conversation. Um, Long-time listeners will understand what, what a psychonaut is because we've explained this in previous uh, conversations. And then what that means in relation to manifesting our own reality or understanding that this is... Actually, I'll leave it there. <laughs> I'll hand it over to you. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I feel it's doing background to Cali, which I think is really, really good because it helps set the stage. It's, it's inter interesting that the, the, the author's description on the back cover says that I'm a, you know, an iconoclastic psychonaut devoted to exploring the truth about human history and potential. 
So that's, that's a good description of what I'm about in many, in many ways. Uh, I interpret the word, well, iconoclastic is somebody who doesn't accept dogma, who also breaks rules, who cracks people's heads open with the truth, that kind of thing. And uh, a psychonaut is somebody who journeys in consciousness and explores consciousness in various ways. You can be a psychonaut on or off drugs. You can be a psychonaut meditating or not. There's many different ways of being a psychonaut. Many artists are psychonauts. Some people you would think would be real psychonauts aren't. And some people you would think there's no way this person's a psychonaut. They're really a psychonaut. <laughs> so you can't really judge a book by its cover huh? in all instances. What happened to me very early on in my, in my adulthood, my mid-20s, I, I was uh, studying literature. I was working on a PhD, and I was traveling to South America to do, I was about to travel to South America to do dissertation research. I was going down to Brazil, and I took the required vaccinations like a good little sheeple. And within about, within the year of, of, of undergoing those vaccinations, vaccinations, I'll keep saying, I, uh, I got really, really sick with some very bizarre, uh, mysterious autoimmune illness. And I had, at one point I had 30 or more symptoms. I, and I developed, this will speak to you perhaps, tremendous, tremendous food allergies. At one point I could not even season my meat and vegetables. Mm. And I could, I could not touch grains. I couldn't get near alcohol. I couldn't do cheese. I couldn't do anything. I literally was living in a, in a, in a food prison. I lost weight. I thought I was dying. I, I, uh, I went through so many different, different down so many different avenues and alleys to try to get well. Some things helped me. Most things didn't. Most things were just a waste of time and money. I learned some things about energy along the way. I got involved doing some allergy elimination technique that helped a little bit. I did some Qigong that helped a little bit, but really nothing made me feel like I was on the path of wellness. I was also learning a lot during this phase. And when I, when I got to a certain point with the energy work that I was doing, I began asking questions having to do with DNA and consciousness. And what's the relationship between them? Uh, and is there a reciprocal relationship between them? Can if DNA is somehow projecting or affecting consciousness, can consciousness affect DNA? And are they perhaps some kind of closed circuit, like a, like a, a loop, an infinity loop, or a closed system, uh, or a universal closed system? This, these, this line of questioning led me into the role of language and how to use language to, to actually speak to our DNA to manifest health and other things in our lives. And I had, I, I, I traveled back to Brazil with, with my partner, Lee, having said my goodbyes to my family in the United States. I thought maybe I would never see them again. I was very ill. Lee and I had a series of extremely bizarre experiences. I was on a podcast in 2019, the higher side chats with, um, with Greg uh, Carlwood, really good interviewer. And he was asking me about my, my experiences down in Brazil. And he called me a contactee. <laughs> because of some of the really bizarre experiences that I had. And I had not quite thought of myself in that way because really what I believe that I contacted was my, my higher self that became a partner in my manifestation process. 
long story short, I was given this series of vowels, these codes that uh, Lee and I were both given them, that we were instructed through intuitive means to sing and think simultaneously at certain frequencies or at a certain frequency in this first case. And when we did that, I began to get well. It was extraordinary. Within a few weeks, I was eating food again that I hadn't been able to eat for a very long time. And as time went on, I, I regained all of my foods, all of my stamina. I'm in my mid fifties now, and I can just, I can literally exercise all day long if I want to. I do a lot of Pilates, body surfing. I, I ride, uh, I ride my bike all over the place at, you know, at dangerous speeds, I might add, uh, I'm probably being really stupid, but I'm just, I'm just really going and I'm very, I was always very athletic before I got sick and now, and now I'm probably in better shape than I was in my twenties, which is pretty remarkable. So this, this vowel code came through, it ended up being called, we called it potentiation. We started sharing it with other people, getting their feedback. I ended up writing uh, two books about potentiation and the, the method that it initiates, which is called the Regenetics Method. And it's really about using language to non-locally manifest various things through the DNA portal. Because really, on one side of, on one side of the divide, DNA is a molecule, but on the other side, it's a blueprint over in the realm of possibilities. And we can actually change that blueprint. But other things have blueprints besides DNA, including the shape of our lives, the, the world that we live in, our businesses, our relationships. And those, all of those blueprints are to some extent malleable and can be affected. What this is not is like the power of positive thinking. That's kind of an epigenetics approach. I'm going to think positive thoughts. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be meditative. None of that. This is about simply speaking the right words, the right language to some part of yourself or your situation, and then just watching the changes happen. There's an ancient term uh, for a uh, name for what I believe this method is, is a part of. It's called the language of the birds. It's been written about by various, various scholars uh, of, you know, who are looking at mysticism and esoterics and that kind of thing. So the language of the birds is actually a huge part of Cali the Destroyer. It's, it's an integral part of the novel. It's actually part of the, um, part of the, uh, the resistance and integration to uh, resistance to an integration of the, the enemy construct that Cali, the main character faces. Hmm. Hey, uh, now I'm monologuing, uh, 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 I'm just going to let you jump in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just sitting on the edge of my seat wanting more. So <laughs> I'm, I'm fascinated by the bird noises because uh, um, the bird language, as again, anybody that's listened to my podcast over the years will know I have a fascination of, <laughs> of the bird. Um, yeah, the birds. Well, you're probably a member of what I call, well, Ken Carey actually used the term and it, I don't know if you're familiar with his wonderful books from the eighties. Uh, one of them was the return of the bird tribes. And that's how, that's how he characterized what's happening with the awakening that's, that's going on and the, the rise in consciousness that's happening and it's bursting at the seams and it's also, yes, as you mentioned, I think it's also bifurcating people. But I love that term so much. And I, I love King Carey's writing so much that I, 
included the bird tribes in Cali the Destroyer. So Cali is a member of the bird tribes and they speak the language of the birds. Tell me about the, the, the actual title, Cali. And I mean, it's very aggressive, the Destroyer. So explain who Cali is. Carly, and explain sure. why you've used the the term destroyer. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna open a can. I promise it's not a beer. It's a Zevia Cola. All <laughs> right, or maybe it is a beer. I don't know. We'll see. But um, so Kali is taken from the the uh, the Hindu goddess or Mahavidya Kali with a K K A L I who. Her epithet is the destroyer. She's Callie the destroyer. My character is Callie the destroyer, and it's spelled with a C. Callie, C-A-L-I. She is a 15-year-old pop star in an imaginary dystopian future that's like a cross between The Hunger Games and A Handmaid's Tale. So she's living in the society in a place called the fatherland, which is, which is deeply rooted in racism and segregation and, and misogyny, uh, misogyny and all of the, our worst attributes in many ways. It's, being, it's sort of the, the fruit of what's happening right now. Were the deep state able to enact many of its, its goals? And I'm talking about Population reduction through vaccines. I'm talking about control and domination through surveillance and technology, all of it. It's all there in the book. So she, she is born into this futuristic world where the population has been reduced. It's now being pumped back up again a little bit because the, the powers that be in the fatherland are getting ready to take over the rest of the world. They already control basically Canada to South America. So Callie is born into this and through a series of um, supernatural, interesting events, she, she comes into contact with her destiny, which is to become the destroyer. And, and she uses the language of the birds to be the destroyer. But I'd like to point out that really the destroyer in this, in this sense is about destroying this artificial archontic system that is controlling the planet. Not so much killing people, but destroying the system or the, the apparatus that allows that control to take place. What I'd love for you to explain to people is the terminology of archons and to go back through history to understand how long this may have been taking place for with this sort of uh, battle, so to speak. Sure, sure. The... Um there were these texts that were discovered in Nag Hammadi, Egypt in 1945, which I think is a really interesting year because that's the end of World War II and the beginning of really the, the, the height of the modern era. It was also when Operation Paperclip happened and you had this huge transference of these Nazi assets to the United States, where I believe they just set up shop again, and then they, they had a, a longer plan. So they never really lost. They basically just relocated and, and did infiltration from within. 
And if you can look up Operation Paperclip if you're not familiar with that. I'm not making this up. It's very real. And there's also Project Mockingbird and the control of the media. And this is a worldwide phenomenon. It's not just about the United States. So it's a, re- a rebranding, so to speak. A rebranding. Yeah, they, they definitely did a good job rebranding themselves. These texts that were discovered accidentally in a cave in these clay pots and they were preserved were these fragments of these Gnostic writings. It, a lot of scholars interpreted and interpreted interpreted these writings as the as the uh, the spiritual texts of a, a Christian sect that they were calling the Gnostics. But really there there is no there is no real connection between Gnosticism and Christianity. In fact, the Gnostics were were vehement critics of monotheism and Christianity. And they were, they were uh, steadfast opponents of the early church fathers. The name Gnostic, in fact, when it was coined, was coined by the church fathers, and it meant basically know-it-all. Stop being a Gnostic. You don't know what you're talking about. That's how they might have spoken to these people who were trying to tell them that they were wrong. And the reason the Gnostics thought they were wrong was that they, the Gnostics said that you're worshiping a false god. You literally are children of a lesser god when you go down this path. You're not worshiping the originator, the creator. You're worshiping the Lord Archon, the Demiurge, also known as Saklas, which means fool in Aramaic. And he is controlling you because he is the he is a mind parasite who has taken over your minds and has bent your will to his. So you have the Lord Archon, the Demiurge, Moloch would be another name for this being, for people who are familiar with that terminology. It's a it's a very shocking. A statement, especially for Christians, and I can understand if that doesn't doesn't sit too well. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit evolvenetwork.tv. That's evolvenetwork.tv. We'll see you there. The information, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical, or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences, and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions, or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.